What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler All-Decade Return Specialist Josh Cribs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection Podcast where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference Best. everybody welcome back to the college sports connection podcast i'm your host alex captain joining me as always aj the guru what's going on everybody aj welcome back we had the first week of the college football season has come it has gone and we've got plenty to talk about yeah we really do you know you look at the max schedule here this past weekend a lot of great games a couple surprises both positive and negative mm-hmm. but we go into week two here with a stacked schedule which we'll get into in a little bit a lot of Mac versus Power Five programs, a lot sure. of good games there, and uh, that, this week will be fun to watch. But let's go back and recap Week One. Ball State hosted Western Illinois. Ball State ended up winning that one, thirty-one twenty-one. The Cardinals started off extremely slow. They did. They struggled, they struggled to move the ball that first, I don't know, quarter and a half or so. Drew Plitt end of end of the night was seventeen of twenty-eight for a buck eighty-eight, two tutties. Will Jones carried it for ninety-three yards with the one touchdown. Justin Hall, he had eight receptions for 137 and two tutties. You know, the later on in that game, I mean, it was 7-7 seven, seven at halftime. Obviously, mm-hmm. Ball State came out in the uh, third quarter, scored 14-10. and 10. Western Illinois only man, managed 7-7 seven seven the rest of the way mm-hmm. for that final score of 31-21. to 21. But, yeah, we de- I don't think that was the start. Uh, Coach knew and the Cardinals wanted, but, but nevertheless, they got the win, and they move on to Penn State this weekend. Well, and I think that's the big thing, right, is – you know, it may not be the start you wanted. I think that we saw a lot of that throughout college football, but a win's a win. It counts, and you survive to continue undefeated on the season, which is something only about half the teams can say. So congrats to the Cardinals on that win. No matter how close or how big it was, definitely a big win for them. Moving on to big wins in terms of score-wise, Buffalo taking on Wagner. And this one was ugly after the first quarter, Buffalo up 14, nothing moving on to a 24 points in the second quarter, 21 in the third quarter, Buffalo ends up winning this one, 69 to seven Kyle Van Trees, solid night, 15 of 19 for two thirty-one and a touchdown. The story of the night though, Kevin Marks had two rushing touchdowns. And I think a lot of the question marks for people were, can he replace Jarrett Patterson? And I think we have our answer. Definitely. You know, it's one of those things, too, where people have talked about question marks with that. But at the same time, you and I saw him last year in the MAC championship takeover for Patterson when he mm-hmm. got hurt. And he did just a fantastic job moving the ball down the field, both catching and uh, or both receiving and rushing. And so, you know, him coming up, he had 13 carries, 72 yards. And then uh, he had only one reception for nine. But I think he has kind of made his statement as the feature back uh, in Buffalo. Obviously, they can go also to Ron Cook Jr. He had a great game as well. He read he led rushers with 14, 95, uh, 14 carries, 94 yards, one tutty. His longest was 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wagner out of Staten Island, New York, though. They really never did have a chance. They were 7 or 15 for 79 yards passing. They only had 18 yards rushing. And I mentioned 79 yards receiving. 
that's just obviously just a complete influx of talent on that side of the ball. Buffalo was one of those teams where we weren't really sure what they were going to what was going to happen with their coach Leopold here leaving, you know, close to the beginning of spring ball, taking that job out of Kansas. But yeah, it looks like it seems like Buffalo's kind of picked up where they left off last year after winning the bowl game. Sure. Yeah, I was I, I think you you mentioned it. A lot of people really concerned about what was going to happen to Buffalo, not only losing their coach, but a lot of players to the transfer portal, specifically to Kansas. And Buffalo came out, got a big win right off the rip. And I think that's all you can really ask for. Marquise Linguist, that's his first win as the head coach of Buffalo. He talked about in his presser earlier this week about taking the job three months before opening day. You know, he was at Michigan for like two weeks and was hired away from Michigan. And you know, I think that's that's the way you want to do it. That's the way you want to open your career as the head coach at a new school. And hats off to him and hats off, hats off to the Bulls for locking up that season opening victory. Definitely another big test here that will this be this week at Nebraska, mm-hmm. where Nebraska is only 13 and a half point favorites. And, you know, we won't talk a ton of Big Ten football, but Nebraska is not the greatest of Big Ten programs. They uh, they've been struggling here as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee and VG, uh, the Vols came out on top 38, six in this one, you know, for a while there, I thought BG had a legit shot at winning that game, especially early on. Uh, but it seemed to be too much, uh, too much Vols here as the game went on. They obviously won at 38 to six. Um, you know, your, one of your old, uh, favorite players to watch Joe Milton for Tennessee made his debut there, had yep. himself a nice night. But for BG-wise, Matt McDonald uh, threw the ball 38 times, completing 25 of those for 187 yards. Mosley, Nick Mosley, that is, uh, eight carries for 26. And let's see here, uh, Austin Osborne, looks like a transfer from Washington, uh, at eight receptions for 46 yards. Yep. It was 14-0. Uh, it was 14-6 going into halftime. BG was sitting really pretty. But then after halftime, going into the second half of the game, they just could not put the ball in the end zone. Well, and I think that's the difference, right, is that's an SEC defense. You know, they they eventually figured out how to beat a, a MAC-level defense, which, you know, tells me that Bowling Green, you know, did a did a nice job. You know, last season they went, I think, 0-5 was their final record. And to come out and to compete with an SEC school, as your season opener, um, obviously getting the loss is never, never good. And there's no such thing as as moral victories in college football, but yeah, you know, hats off to BG for being competitive for most of that game. There were, like you said, plenty of times where they looked like they had a shot and just couldn't capitalize. Definitely. You know, you'll be going down there. It'd be tough week one. Had, didn't have fans last year. hundred thousand people in that stadium. Sure. The atmosphere was incredible but it just became a little too much for BG uh, as they face who do they have this week. They have Southern Alabama at home. Mm-hmm. So they could really win. They have three more out of conference games. They really could win two out of these next three uh, against South Alabama, Murray state, and they go to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota is going to be an interesting program here going forward after losing Mo Abraham uh, yeah. week one with a torn Achilles, I believe. Yeah. He ruptured that in his game against Ohio state in a game where he was playing some really good football and yeah, just unfortunate to see him, him go out with an injury like that. That's going to end his season. 
Absolutely. We move on here to uh, Eastern Michigan against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The Eagles came out on top 35-15. Ben Bryant, quarterback for Eastern Michigan, was only 10 of 8, or excuse me, 8 of 10 for 126 yards. Darius Boone Jr. carried the ball 22 times for 107 yards and one tutty. Hanson Bedone, Bedone, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Hanson Bedone had three receptions for 58 yards. The Eagles looked really good going into this game. And they rewarded their coach with a contract extension. So congrats to Coach Creighton. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Creighton, definitely something he has to be very happy about knowing that he's moving Eastern Michigan in the right direction. But I thought it was interesting. This game was a huge blowout. They were up 28-0 at halftime. And then they just they just hit cruise control. And, I mean, Eastern did what they had to do. We all know St. Francis, you know, an FCS-level school. Not, not necessarily a bad one, but obviously not the – the high prolific, you know, North Dakota state or anything like that. I think this is a good way for Eastern Michigan to open up their season, get a big win in terms of momentum at home in front of their fans, opening back up at the factory, you know, that gray field. It's a great win for them. And, you know, for them, hopefully a sign of uh, good things to come for the 2021 season. Yeah, without a doubt. I think with uh, their non-conference schedule here coming up, this week they're at Wisconsin, which will be tough. Then they're at UMass, and then they host Texas State uh, here going the next four weeks before conference play. They'll be a fun team to watch this year. I think they're a team who you know we didn't give a lot of credit to going into the season, but I think there's somebody who may be a dark horse. It may be somebody who might be a dark horse going in here and making a push late in the season. We get to Saturday now with the full slate of games, Western, Dropped to Michigan 47-14. You and I were watching this game, texting each other back and forth, and Western kept it close there for a hot minute. Yeah, Western was really – they came out strong in that first quarter, only down 10-7 after one. Uh, Michigan obviously scores 23 unanswered points uh, leading into the fourth quarter. Blows this one wide open, but Western had some good stuff. You know, Caleb Elby, 20 for 37, 191 yards, one touchdown. And I was very, very impressed with his poise. You know, he just – it was a big task. You Anytime you go in front of any Big Ten school, even especially a Michigan or an Ohio State, where you have to go into their house, 110 screaming fans, you know, r- mad props to them. Western came out, put up a good fight early, couldn't capitalize on much in the second and third quarter. And that really proved to be the difference because Mich- Western Michigan scored – on the end caps of this game, just couldn't get anything done in the meat of it. And, you know, hats off to, again, Western Michigan, great, great team effort. They unfortunately don't start the season undefeated, but, you know, I you, you can't fault them, especially knowing who they were going against. Definitely. You know, you look Western schedule here. They host Illinois State next week. They travel to Pittsburgh. Then they host San Jose State. But San Jose State is a very beatable team, too. They've uh, – they have struggled with MAC programs here as of late. Sure. And so that could be a fun game to watch too because that, that is up in Kalamazoo. So that will be quite a haul for San Jose State to come to Michigan. Sure. Or to come to, come to Kalamazoo. Well, so they're coming Western, to Michigan, but just yeah, to exactly. Kalamazoo. <laughs> One of the 37 schools in that state. Exactly. Uh, move on to the next game here. It wasn't really much of a surprise. Cincinnati knocks off Miami of Ohio 49-14. I thought Miami will have a couple more points, but then when you look at, uh, you know, Cincinnati's defense and especially the quarterback Desmond Ritter's stud, uh, you're kind of not surprised there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, AJ Mayer took the quarterback position this year. He was only nine of twenty-eight for a buck and not a buck oh nine. Yeah, which that you know, those numbers are not going to going to get it done. Keon Mosey uh, rushed carried the ball fifteen times for eighty yards, and uh, Mac Pippenhammer, the transfer from Penn State, I believe is a Penn State transfer. That sounds uh, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a Fort Wayne kid too. I thought I forgot about that. He uh, th- threw receptions for sixty-four yards. They just took on the other side of the ball. They threw for almost three hundred yards, ran for up, you know, over two hundred yards, and over two hundred yards receiving. You know, defensively, this is not going to get it done. I had a few friends who were at this game. I saw some of their Snapchats, and Cincinnati was rocking. And uh, because this is kind of an older ri- rivalry, renewed uh, in the sense, and uh, yeah, the uh, Bearcats just seemed to be a little too much for the Redhawks. Well, and I think that that's the thing, right? Is Cincinnati after their season-ending loss to Georgia in the Peach Bowl, the the story around the AAC teams are. You know, you have to blow out the teams you're supposed to beat. The teams you're not supposed to beat, you got you got to find a way to beat them. And this was just a classic case of Cincinnati knows what they have to do. They came into the season with a top 10 ranking, and they've maintained that with today's AP poll release. And they just – they had to come out, and they had to – I don't want to say have a statement win, but they had to show, hey, we're not messing around. And they came out and played like a top 10 squad against – a Miami team who was in the MAC championship just two years ago, a Miami team who knocked off last year's MAC champion in the first game of the season. So this isn't a bad Miami team by any means. Cincinnati just really came out and flexed their muscles and did what they needed to do. Yeah, they really did. You know, Cincinnati has one of those programs who we've talked about before, who are just, they're always going to be, they're going to be at the, in the top 10 all year long. Luke Fickle mm-hmm. has, has it going on up there. You look at Miami's schedule here, they go to Minnesota this week with 20 point dogs. They host Long Island and they travel to Army. Uh, so, you know, two out of these next three games are going to be tough for the Red Hawks. Sure. Uh, but traveling to Minnesota here this week, obviously, is going to be a major, major test. Uh, we move down here to the next game, Missouri. They knock off Central Michigan 34-24. Central put up a fight. You know, it was a you know fairly close game there at halftime. Uh, it was a 17-14. And then in the second half, Central just could not get anything done only putting up 10 points in the fourth quarter as Missouri put up 17. And now I believe it was you that messaged me saying that uh, coach was out with uh, appendicitis, wasn't he? Yeah, he had a ruptured appendix this week. I believe it was on Wednesday when we had the chance to talk to him on the media presser on Monday. He was there and seemed fine, and it looks like Wednesday he had appendicitis and they ruled him out for coaching on Saturday. They obviously came out, put up a great fight against an SEC squad. You know, my hat's off to Central Michigan. It looks like the third quarter kind of proves to be the difference of this game. Central Michigan, unfortunately, not putting up any points. But Central Michigan was pretty neck and neck with a Missouri squad who looks to be somewhat competitive in the SEC this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we thought Central's going to, we know they're going to be tough this year. You look at their non conference here. They go to LSU this week. Or, excuse me. They host Robert Morris and go to LSU next week, then host Florida International. Um, but you look at Jacob Sermon here, the transfer from Washington. It was 23 of 45 for just under 300 yards with one touchdown, two picks. That's something you can't do against a fear your competition like Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, rushing wise, let's see here. Lou Nichols, the third, excuse me. 
He had 19 carries for 135, one touchdown. He put up some nice numbers, you know, but obviously Missouri's leader, uh, number one running back, with 25 carries for 203. So he's, he's going to get the job done there. And then Ja'Cory Sullivan led receivers for Central Michigan, uh, eight receptions, 102 yards, and two tutties. You know, Central is a tough game. We talked about it earlier, you know, going into a hostile environment, hostile SEC environment, just like BG did. Uh, these fans haven't been in a stadium for almost two years. So I'm sure it was a little loud, a little, na- little noisy, a uh, little, little more ruckus, if you, if you think so. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Central has a great opportunity. They kept it close, but just couldn't close it out when they needed to. Well, and I'll tell you this. I, one of the things I've always liked about Missouri is that they are willing to not only play Mac schools who could rise up and beat them, but they're also willing to travel to Mac schools. A couple of years ago, Toledo played Missouri at Missouri, and then they did they did a home and home. Missouri went to Toledo and played Toledo at the Glass Bowl. And I, I respect programs like that who are willing to do a home and home and give you the opportunity to host because I think that's fun for the fans too. I mean, it, it's, it's always nice having some level of home field advantage, even if it seems like a no win situation for you record wise, it's great opportunity to say, Hey, we're bringing in, you know, such and such opponent, you know, come pack the stadium. So I, you know, I've always respected schools like Missouri and Miami, Florida, and even BYU who are always willing to do those home and homes. Definitely. It's a kind of a win-win all around. Because Missouri, outside of that, would never come to Toledo. They'd never have a reason to. And so, but schedule that, let them come to Toledo. And that's great for the glass bowl. It's a great atmosphere. And they get to, you know, it's still going to be as fun as mm-hmm. Mizzou because, you know, Mac fans do enjoy their, their football. Sure. So we move on to the next game here, which another was not really much of a surprise. Unfortunately, Auburn waxed Akron 60 to 10. Uh, this one was tough, you know. <laughs> uh, DJ Irons, I, uh, Akron's quarterback, he was 13 of 13, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. 13 of 13 for 129 yards with one touchdown. Uh, Akron's leading rusher was John Zell Norrells. Mm-hmm. I'm butchering that, I'm sure. 12 <laughs> carries or 20, only 12 carries to 22 yards. That's not going to get the job done. And receiving wise, Michael Matheson, seven, rece- seven receptions for 68 yards. You know, you look at the box score there, it was 13 nothing. It, ha- it was you know, a lot too little halftime. We'll put it that way. Akron did not score until the fourth quarter. Um, this is a game that I think Coach Arn's probably going to be glad that he played. Guys, players the opportunity to go down to Auburn and play in a hostile environment, but at the same time, he's probably happy to move on from this one. Yeah, I you know, just looking at it, you you knew this was a tall task for a unfortunately a bottom of the MAC Akron team. You knew this was going to be a tough effort for them. Auburn, Bo Nix. You don't really have to say much past Bo Nix. I mean, he came out and had two incompletions all day with three touchdowns, threw for 275. Like, you knew going there was going to be tough, but I'm sure those players are, one, thankful for the opportunity to really kind of see where they stack up against one of the better SEC teams. But I think it's also a great challenge to say, look, we got to see something we won't see in the MAC all year. Now we can prepare for it in that off chance that we would see it. So I think it is, although the scoreboard says, you know, n- was not a win. I think it is a, a team win in terms of moving a program in a different direction. Obviously a 60 to 10 score is never what you want, but I think Akron is to some degree thankful that they got this opportunity. 
Yeah, a lot of doubt. Then you look at the Akron schedule here coming up. They host Temple, they host Bryant, and they go to Ohio State. So, I mean, the schedule makers here really gave them the ringer here early on in the season with two big-time games. Sure. Because uh, Temple is always a pretty nice program. Former Mac coach uh, Rod Carey out there with the Temple Owls. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be enjoying this one and being a Mac guy. He, he had a lot, of, a lot of success in the Mac conference, might I add, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Akron's going to have a tough going out here, but I think this is the thing that Coach Arn's going to appreciate and look back on is we'll be glad he did it, but it's also time to move on to the next game. Just like we are here, this was my surprise of the week. Syracuse and OU. Syracuse knocked off the Bobcats 29-9. to Going into that game, OU was, I believe, two-point favorites mm-hmm. and uh, only able to muster up nine points uh, in this ballgame. Curtis Rorke... Uh, 21 on 28, 142 yards, one to, uh, one pick. Uh, Demontre Tuggle led rushers for OU, 16 carries, 65 yards. And receiving-wise, Jerome Buckner uh, for the Bobcats, seven receptions, 102 yards. Um, this one really, really did surprise me. I saw the score, and I had to take a double look because I did not think they'd lose by 20 points. Yeah, I was, I was very taken aback by this one as well. Syracuse. Obviously not a big program over in the ACC. I mean, everybody knows them. They they compete. They do pull the occasional upset win in the conference and in college football. But just not a very impressive program overall. OU, I would imagine, probably feeling the effects of losing Coach Frank Solich a month before the season starts. So trying to do something a little bit different than what he had, I'm sure that a lot of that played a part in that. Syracuse, they look like, from what I saw on TV, they had a few fans there, a, a decent contingent of fans at uh, Ohio. And, yeah, I mean, Syracuse just came out. They played some football. I was I was optimistic at halftime when OU was only down 12-6. to 6, But then third quarter and then obviously the fourth quarter, OU could only muster three more points. And you just kind of knew that it was game over from there. Hats off to Syracuse for a – a solid road win over the Bobcats, but I, I think Ohio will be fine. I think they'll bounce back from this pretty okay. It wasn't a – it sucks as a loss, especially losing at home in front of your own fans for the season opener against a Power 5 school. But this isn't something that they can't come back from, especially with a new coach. Excited to see what they do down the road. Absolutely. You're looking here at the next couple of games for OU. Post Duquesne, they go to Louisiana, and they go to Northwestern, who did not look great against Michigan State here this last weekend, giving up like 290-some yards to one running back. Yeah. Um, So, you know, there's a couple here winnable games here for the Bobcats before they start conference play against the Zips from Akron. Uh, We move on here down to the game that you were actually at, Toledo-Norfolk State, 49-10. Rockets come out on top. You can take the the lead on this one. Sure. I was up in the press booth. First off, big shout-out and a big thank you to Paul Helgren and the University of Toledo for allowing us the opportunity to do a live broadcast from the booth, which was really cool. Next time, obviously, we'll be making sure we both get to do that. But we hosted that on Twitch and a lot of positive feedback overall. People liked the the layout with how we did it on Twitch. They liked the ability to ask questions throughout the broadcast. Uh, We got quite a few people tuning in at various points of the night. And I think it was very well received, but Toledo came into this one. It looked, the scoreboard doesn't really tell the tale after the 
from the first quarter. Toledo was only up 14-7. Toledo, on two of the first three drives for Norfolk State, had blocked punts returned for touchdowns. And you knew going into this that Toledo was going to set a tempo after being six points away from an undefeated season last year. You knew Jason Candle was going to have these guys ready to play and really focused, knowing what's coming down the road. And yeah, I was just very impressed with Toledo. They ran a double quarterback set. They ran Carter Bradley out there who had went eight for 12, 183 yards and a touchdown. But they also ran Decon Finn out there who was a guy a lot of people were saying, could he be the starting quarterback? Could he knock out Carter Bradley and take over that job? He ended up leading the team in rushing nine carries, 82 yards and a touchdown. So it looks like we may see Daquan Finn as a rusher and Carter Bradley as a passer, but both have legs and both have arms. So it'll be interesting to see what they do down the road. Yeah, that's definitely one of those questions too that you asked Coach Candle at Media Day. And uh, he had given you a great answer, and you, he really wasn't sure who the quarterback was going to be at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you asked about a two-quarterback system, and it seems like they didn't do that. Uh, you look at Toledo here this week, they traveled to South Bend to play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who struggled against Florida State this week. That game went overtime. Notre Dame is favored by 16 and a half. Uh, following that, the Rockets host Colorado State before they play Ball State to start Mac play mm-hmm. moving on here to the next game which was one of my favorite games to watch this weekend northern illinois traveled down to atlanta to play georgia tech came out with a big victory down there 22 21 and uh if you did not watch this game i would suggest go watching the highlights uh because we had a great conversation with coach hammock at media day and uh northern illinois going for two did not surprise me one bit no not at all especially knowing Again, if you've listened to our media day interview, you can you can just hear that Coach Hammock wants to go out and win. He wants to compete and he wants to show people that Northern Illinois season <laughs> of a year ago was a fluke. And I think he proved that in a big way with a with a statement win going for two at the end of the game. Northern Illinois, Rocky Lombardi came out and he looked like he was a seasoned veteran in that system. 11 for 17, 136 and two touchdowns. And I was just very impressed with his poise leading a program that he's brand new to. It's a he's a he's a new face of that program after transferring from Michigan State. And to have the gutsy poise to stand in and deliver that two point strike at the very end of the game, my hat's off definitely to Northern Illinois for this one. Absolutely. You know, Coach Hammock is seems like a fun coach to play for, but he means business. He obviously played it. Northern Northern back in the day was a running back there. And I think he was extremely confident to having a quarterback who'd played in big time games before and Rocky Lombardi who played at Michigan state prior. So he was not shy to big moments. And when they lined up for two, I go, all right, well, this is a surprisingly one bit. They did it. They, they converted and they won it and coming out with a huge upset down there in Atlanta, putting the jackets down to own one. Uh, that was a fun game to watch. I'm glad that game got some national recognition too by the media post game. That's great for that program. It's great for Coach Hammock, who's a friend of the program. And, uh, you know, you look at Northern Illinois' schedule here going on, they have Wyoming, they go to Michigan, and then they host Maine before they start off conference play with Eastern uh, week five. So they've got a couple of tough games here. Wyoming will be tough. Wyoming only beat Montana State by one this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um so that's going to be a tough game. But Wyoming comes to DeKalb. 
and Wyoming's only six and a half point favorites too. So that'll be a really, really fun game to watch over there on ESPN+. Plus. We move to the final game of the weekend. Texas A&M handled Kent State down there at College Station, 41-10. to Crum, uh, who we hailed as one of the top quarterbacks in the MAC, Dustin Crum, we you know we said he was going to be up there to Drew Plitt for MAC quarterback of the year. Didn't really play like it. it was only twelve of twenty six for eighty nine yards, two two picks. Xavier Williams, uh, Kent State's running back, only had eight carries for seventy three yards. And receiving wise, Keyshawn Abram, receiver here for Kent State, was three receptions for only twenty four yards. <coughs> sure. That's going to be tough either way. Anybody who play, anybody who play. Power five, non-power five. Those are going to be tough numbers to overcome. So I think, and this is this is where I don't think the scoreboard or the final score really tells the whole tale. For those who were paying attention, Kent State was, was only down 10-3 to 3 at halftime in a very defensive game, which was, which was definitely the surprise for a lot of people considering Texas A&M number six in the country, only up by a score on a Mac program that had a lot of people turning their heads moved to the third quarter where Texas A&M kicks it open and just kind of erupts for 17 points. The, the turning point of this game was the pick six by Dustin crumb, Texas A&M picked off. I don't want to say it was a lazy pass, but it wasn't a great pass returned it to the house. And then that's when the wheels started falling off for Kent state they had a lot of opportunities on the AM side of the field. And I think that pick six is just where they just fell apart and just couldn't capitalize on anything. So the scoreboard to me, the final score doesn't really tell the whole story because Kent State was in this game for about two and a half quarters until that pick six late in the third quarter. That's when the wheels really fell off. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're a smaller program going into a power five like that in a hostile environment, you have to play nearly perfect to give yourself even a small chance of winning. And you know, throwing turn the ball over two times through the air, throwing one pick six, that's definitely not going to help your team and definitely not going to help your defense, uh, putting them behind the or yeah, putting them behind the scoreboard, having them play them catch up. Uh, you know, this week VMI travels to Kent, uh, week two, and then week three and week four, Kent goes to Big Ten schools. They go to Iowa, then they go to Maryland before they host Bowling Green to open up uh, conference play. So the, Kent has probably the toughest non-conference schedule in the MAC. When you look at who they have to play, I mean, Iowa handled IU this weekend, and Maryland came out on top as well um, against uh, who they play. I played West Virginia. They beat them 30, 30 to 24. Right. Um, so yeah, Kent State's going to struggle here going before conference play. But I think once I hit once I hit conference play, opening up with BG, then playing Kent or playing Buffalo, I think this is, gives Dustin Crum a great opportunity to relax, find his groove, and get comfortable before they start conference play. Sure, sure, and I and I think that that's that's going to be the key is all these teams got week one out of the way, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. Week one is out of the way; they can focus on week two. Tell me, which games are you most excited for for this week? This week, obviously, for me, is Ball State travels to uh, Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- if you watch any of that Penn State-Wisconsin game, it was a barn burn. I mean, it was 0-0 at halftime. Right. And uh, Wisconsin struggled. Me, but, well, I guess both struggled, but Penn State struggled 
there early on. We were able to come out on top at, uh, late. I think that could be a really fun game to watch. Uh, Drew Plitt really show the country who he is, what he's about, and Coach Mike New to show off the defending MAC champions, MAC champions because MAC schools have beat Penn State up at Happy Valley before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was OU a couple of years ago, right? OU back in 2012 and Toledo back 2012. in 2000, I believe, 2004 yeah. maybe. So it, it is possible. And I think if there's going to be a team to do it this year, it would be Ball State because mm-hmm. you know coming off a hard-fought win against Northern Illinois, it gets them a week to prepare. And I think that could be a, an opportunity that's going to be great for the program and great for guys like Drew Plitt, Justin Hall, and, and Coach New. We talked to him about this uh, at Media Day talking about big stadiums that he played in uh, while he was a player. And he mentioned Clemson and, and things like that. So this is a similar environment. So I think this would be great for the program and great for the Cardinals. Sure. What about you? What game are you looking at? As much of a Toledo homer as I am, obviously I'm going to say Toledo, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame, I, I don't know if it was, if Sunday night was how good Florida state can be or just how suspect Notre Dame is. But I'm really excited for that one. But the game that I really have circled, because I think it could be a really good game, Buffalo, Nebraska. Buffalo travels mm-hmm. out to Nebraska. Nebraska's one and one right now. Did not look good in their loss. But I do think that Buffalo has an opportunity to go out, get a signature win early in Coach Linguist's first season. And I think that's going to be the game, aside from Toledo, Notre Dame, aside from Buffalo or Ball State, Penn State. I think that's going to be the game I'm kind of keeping an eye on just because it's going to be a good matchup. I, you know, they have Buffalo as a 13 point, 13 and a half point underdog, but I I think that's generous for Nebraska. I think that this is going to come down to the fourth quarter, whoever has the ball last kind of thing. Absolutely. I think that line will move here as we get closer to Saturday. Um, But the way Buffalo did play, uh, Obviously, it was against against Wagner, but you look at the way Nebraska has played here the last two weeks. It has not been great, mm-hmm. or even the last year, really. I mean, Scott Frost is under 500 as a coach there. Yeah. And, um, you know, if somebody's going to pull an upset, I think Buffalo would be the one to do it this week. Sure, sure. <laughs> I wanted to give helmet stickers, and we'll be put, posting a graphic up of this this week, but I wanted to give a Mac East player and a Mac West player a helmet sticker. So AJ, if you wanted to offer up a helmet sticker for the Mac West first, uh, go for it. And then I'll give mine and then we can go to the Mac East. Yeah. Let me pull this up here because there's a lot of good performances, you know, on both sides of the, on on both sides here, but you know, I'm going to give my, my Mac West sticker, not to a player. I'm going to give it to a coach. That's going to be Tom Hammock. Mm. Pulling up a huge upset, going for two. I don't think he even hesitated going for thinking about going for two. They have they have the opportunity. I think he had to play in before they set the ball down on the goal line on the two yard line. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah the West Division. I'm going to give mine to Coach Hammock. Okay, I can respect that. Coach Hammock obviously doing some great things at Northern Illinois. Really, really doing some cool stuff. For me, this this one was tough because. There were, there were some great performances all around, um, but I, I'm giving mine to Jacob Sermon from Central Michigan, quarterback, 23 of 45, almost 300 yards and a touchdown. Uh, obviously, it was a losing effort, but for me, that was, that was big. That was big for Central Michigan to have great play from somebody that, I mean, three months ago, they didn't even know who was going to be quarterback. 
So sure. for him to come in and play that well and to kind of cement his role as the starting quarterback, my hat's off to him. He gets my Mac sticker of the week for the Mac West. Yeah, absolutely. I go to the East here. You know, only one team in the East won this week. And uh, I think you and I may be giving ours to the same person. Hey, I'm going to give it to Kevin Marks. He's one of those returners from last year who made a statement that he, he'd be a baller. He was a baller this weekend. Yeah, I was I was definitely leaning towards Kevin Marks as well. He gets my helmet sticker, 13 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the kid just came out and he balled. He he knew what he wanted. He found the end zone. He he came out and he was a team player. And that that's what you want from a guy on a, on a program like Buffalo, who has had a lot of star players in various positions over the years. Kevin Marks just came out, came out as a team player, and I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, without a doubt. He's one of those guys, too, who probably could have easily transferred out like mm-hmm. a lot of other players did, but he decided to stick around. And it's probably a good thing that he did because he, chances are he may not be getting these kind of numbers anywhere else. Sure, sure. I think, and I think that's, that's the other part of it, right, is he probably saw the opportunity here and probably told himself, do I want to be a big fish in a little pond? or a little fish in a big pond. And I think we got our answer. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think they, uh, the, the offense up there is going to, obviously Van Trees is a fantastic quarterback. But I think the offense is going to run through marks here this year. Yep, absolutely. I can, I can definitely agree with that. So I think I am really excited for week two, looking forward to seeing what happens with week two Maction. hoping for some upsets, hoping to see the Mac go 12 and 0 for this coming week and looking forward to what's going to happen. Yeah, without a doubt. I think when we talk about upsets, I think some of the be- the biggest upsets, potential upsets in the company or the country do come through the MAC conference this week. A lot of big games, like I said, Ball State at Penn State. Uh, who's that? Who's that? Nebraska? I, Buffalo's at Nebraska. That's Buffalo, right. So yeah. Those are two potential upsets there. Those will be fun games to watch. But we'll have our graphics up here this week with our predictions. Uh, we only had what three games wrong last week. Yeah, Something between like the between the two of us, we only had three games wrong last week. I think it was Ohio. Um, you and I split on Central Michigan and Missouri, and then yep. um, Northern Illinois. That was the other Northern, one. Yep, that was the other one. So, so yeah, we're up. You know, only down three there. Not too bad. Uh, we'll go at it again this week. This week's gonna be a little tougher uh, with some great games on both sides. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we'll have that for the next couple of days. But we'll also have we'll, we'll also come up with a cool helmet sticker logo and uh, and give it to our coaches and our player here on Twitter as well. Absolutely, guys who came out worked hard. They definitely deserve that recognition. And we want to make sure we give it to them. So definitely. So cool, man. Well, I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Did you have anything else you wanted to tack on? Uh, we have a couple of cool things in the works right now with some guests. Uh, Alex has been working on one. I've been working on one. We'll announce those here soon. Sure. Um, both Mac related. So it'll be fun to talk to you. Non-football related. Uh, so those will be fun to, uh, fun conversations. We're excited about fil- or getting those ready. Uh, make sure you follow our social medias. Uh, those are always fun, busy. I'm getting updates constantly while I'm at work. Uh, notifications on both our sidelines and our college sports pod um, account to make sure you interact with us. And also go retweet that Miller or that uh, Michelob Ultra tweet. To get, we're close to two, what did they say, 250? 250. Yeah, we're at about the 125 mark right now. So right, we're, so we're let, about halfway there. Yeah, so let's get those 75 and uh, let's get some free swag. Absolutely. So cool, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like AJ said, please go check us out on our social media. We'll be doing a lot more cool things there. 
and bringing you guys some great content here in the future. But guys, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week. See you.